Yeah, this is Painted Jack, the old Jack Nicholson podcast, just like you wanted. Yep, yep, yep. Aloha, comrades. You probably remember me from such films as The Border and The Shining. I did a whole slew of incredible pictures for all the major studios. I gotta tell you, 1982, it's a weird year. You know what I'm saying? Are you feeling weird? Well, they say we're living in a damn evil alternate dimension. But you, you know what old Jack says? You know, it's tough all over. It's tough on the moon. Cry me a goddamn river of moon tears. Go kick a tree stump for all the good it'll do you to mope. Hey, you think they got a dimension where these frickin' piece of shit lighters are worth two cents? Come on. Come on! Oh, there it goes. At long last, a flame. These lighters are made in China by some damn Chinese boss yelling at a bunch of down-and-out Chinese factory workers to make the lighters worse. They get worse every year. I don't know how they do that. I've never been to China, but I did win an Academy Award for Chinatown. I got up there, I had my sunglasses on, and I showed the world my dentist's handiwork. I said some bullshit. Went to a cocktail party, ate about 15 of these little fried things. I forget what they were. Shit. What were those things? They were great. What the hell were they called? Panache? Panaches? I don't know. Bob Dylan was there. Mind you, this is before he became a god emperor. Now, you probably think Bob Dylan is about 6'5", 6'6", like a baller. Ain't true. I clock him around 5 feet 7 inches. Now, I'm 5'10". <laughs> All right. Well, this little rascal comes up to me and he's got one of those crystal goblets of mead. I go, hey, Bobby, what are you drinking? He says, mead. I say, what the fuck is that? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a beeswax wine fermented in honeycomb. Bob's got this look in his eye. Well, not so much a look, more like an absence of one. Let me borrow that, I say, in a Jack Nicholson accent. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't mind saying that I had a pretty good swig of this stuff, and I'm talking about a swig, all right? Massive. My grandpappy's ghost, that stuff will knock the sense clean out of your skull. I immediately go blank, like my soul went on vacation. Nobody home, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Of course you do. Of course. My vision went blurry and everything got choppy like the film speed was wrong. Mead. Oh, bees are weird, man. They got poison in their ass, but if they use it, they're a goner. The bee venom and the alcohol is a one-two punch. You know what I'm saying? I tell Bob, I tell him, I said, hey, that's pretty good stuff. I could have used some of that earlier. Did you see me up there? 
but Bob has been sidetracked by a chip bowl. The actress Mia Farrow is there, I am told. But I was so plastered by that honey sauce, man. I mean, I was pinned down tighter than a cork board at the memo factory, I tell you. Mead. No wonder kings are so damn wild and free. Loose. Oh, hey, I got a story for you. You'll just love this. Other day, I was at the La Brea Tar Pits taking a break, just soaking up the scene. I had a short sleeve button-up shirt on, half untucked, some shoes, all that kind of stuff. I was leaning on the tar railing. I was smirking at the warning sign. It shows a kid falling over the railing into the tar. There's a stick figure mother. Her hands are clutching her circle head in disbelief. Surrender not to the tar, it says in Spanish. Lots of Mexico people like to come down and look at the place. Can't say I blame them down Mexico way. So I'm standing at the tar pits and smiling and looking at all these Mexican kids. And they're doing what is known as a break dance. Damned if I can even comprehend all those gravity-defying moves. It's like a crazy rap music space dance that's popular with the young, vibrant Latino community and the blacks and Irishmen and maybe a couple of Irish ladies or uh, Scots women. Anyhow, I'm patting my pockets looking for my smokes when I spot a pretty and familiar face across the pits and I shit you not. It's Pomeroy. Roy H. to put a fine point on it. The suit, the hair, the works. No mistaking him. Well, that's weird, I think. Ain't he the island nation's most wanted time fugitive? Didn't he just say he was laying low and moving location every few days, doing odd jobs, assuming identities, and solving crimes? Maybe he's a natural tar man like myself. Can't stay away from these pits. <sighs> hey, Roy, I say. Over here. I wave my hands. He turns his head slowly and walks across the pit bridge stiffly, looks me up and down. Holy smokes, as I live and breathe, it's Roy H. Pomeroy out in the open. What are you doing, man? You got us all worried. Here's the unusual detail. Roy cocks his head as if he's listening to a faraway radio, only I'm not hearing any music. Greetings, Jack Nicholson, he says in a voice as flat as the floor at Larry's Linoleum Showroom over on Ventura. What are you doing out, I ask. Don't you know Dylan's police soldiers are everywhere, spies, all that shit? Roy looks around slowly. His eyes are unblinking. He assures me that the area is secure. Something about his voice is weird. I try to figure him. Now I've seen Roy happy, frustrated, disappointed, pretend drunk on bourbon. I've seen him after a 12-hour recording session. I've seen him shooting ghosts with a crossbow. But I've never seen him like this. I give him a sniff. I'm trying to detect the distinctive yellow odor of honey. Nothing conclusive, just an oily smell. I ask him if he's been into the mead. 
if he's finally cracked under the stress of leading a counter-revolutionary strike force against the government. Maybe he got thirsty for the bee stuff and the pressure. Roy says he has not heard of me, which I know is a lie. Then he asks me if I know where he's staying. Well, shit, that's when I figured it out. He's an imposter robot. Yeah, probably been fed tapes of the podcast for weeks and studied Roy's speech patterns. He's been shown 8x10 glossy black and white photographs of all Roy's pals. Program to kill. That's when I tell him straight up he's a robot and he should go suck an electric egg. And he don't like that, though. So he pulls a laser derringer from his cuff. I should have seen it coming, but I wasn't at the pits for a fight. Just for relaxing and all that wonderful La Brea aroma. I just, uh, I just love the place. That's when I noticed it had gotten very quiet for weekday pit afternoon. The light Mexican crowd had dispersed. I see shutters close out of the corner of my eyes. Peripherally, one might say, side-eye vision. The robot Roy had me dead to rights. Gesticulating with that laser derringer, the robot Roy said, move. Where are you taking me? The overgrown tin can of electric tomato paste motions over to a golf cart, all done up with panels of sheet metal and Dylan's King logo, which is not a bad logo. It's a King of Diamonds playing card with Bob Dylan's face, uh, like an illustration. It's, uh, you know, if it weren't a symbol of oppression, it would win an award. Like hell, I'm riding in that piece of shit, I say. I deck him with a roundhouse. Thing about that punch is it's very powerful, but you gotta kinda aim it while you're punching and you lose a little velocity. My fist sears with the pain of a robot clang. This mandroid has a steel jaw. I hear servo motors whining and I see concrete as he sweeps my legs out from under my own ass. I land hard, biting my lip worse than that time in fifth grade on the slide. Susie Tessmacher got paper towels while the teacher just stared at the blood. I'll never forget Susie's kindness. As I sat there at the feet of the robot and my jolt of remembrance has snapped back to the present moment. Necessity is the mother of invention, as Frank Zappa said. I notice that Mr. Roboto is standing on a sheet of cardboard. I grab hold of the Frigidaire logo and I yank as hard as I can, which sends the robot tumbling over the edge of the railing of the Labrea tar pits. This damn robot can hardly believe his electric eyes. Error, error, he says as he sinks slowly into the tar. Curtains shuffle on the tar hut as Mexican people look out at me. I don't speak Spanish aside from a couple of choice words, none of which I can repeat on this podcast. But they can understand my sign language all too well, if you know what I mean. Cowards, I say as I storm off. Sparking robotic hand reaching towards the sun is the only thing left of the robot Roy.
Maybe in a hundred million billion years they'll uh, dig him up out of there and find out what was happening in uh, 1982. Hey, kid, how much time we got? Uh, like ten minutes or something. Oh, what a joke. Well, you know, do that list. Uh, fine. Hold on, where did I put my scraps of paper that count as notes? Hold on. Okay, that's fine. We can, Hold on. We can edit this. Just edit out all the dead space. Hmm? Jack? Here it is. Great. Nice. What a treat. This is the top 10 signs your friend might be a robot. This is, uh, this is some topical stuff. I typed it. All right, number 10. Your friend has wires instead of veins, all right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number 9. How many are in this list? Oh, it's 10. Yeah. Never mind. Just the 10. Your friend needs time to recharge after heavy social obligations like the Oscars. Side note, Mia Farrow supposedly was paid $5,000 for her appearance in the movie film Avalanche. You see that one, Henry? No. Are you a fan of it? No, but I like the poster. Oh, yeah? Would I know it? Is it famous? It's got the word Avalanche tumbling on down a snow mountain and a bunch of skiers are running away from it. They're running away from a literal avalanche. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that poster. Uh, number eight, if you give your friend a cookie, they'll chew it up, but then later they'll spit it into a waste basket. Maybe cover up that spit with a Kleenex. Yeah, that's number eight, all right. Number seven, laser eyes. Mm-hmm. Look out for laser eyes. Number six, a loud clanking sound accompanies their strides. Ooh, yep, moving on. Oh, what's the matter, Junior? You sleepy? Yeah, I'm a little tired. I've been up for three days. <laughs> no, you haven't. You were napping right before we started. Nah, I wasn't napping, kid. I was just resting my eyes and snoring deeply. Oh, I'm sorry. My apologies. Number five, they say stuff like, That's fine. I'm just gonna read a book while you swim. <laughs> they avoid water. They're hydrophobes. Also a sign of a rabid robot. Oh, yes, that part of your job description, make little wise-ass comments. Slow me down. I'm trying to get out of here, kid. Okay, jeez. Coming in at number four, they constantly high-five known robots. Yes. Number three, their blood is fake blood, like Halloween vampire blood. Oh, like a robot vampire? No. Like a robot no. got bitten by a... We're not doing this, all right? All right. Uh, number two? They remember everything all too well, like that lady on Taxi. Yeah. What's her name? Mary? Mary? Right. Mary Lou Henner? And the number one reason that your friend might be a robot is they look at you and they say, Hey, I am a robot. Great. All right. Perfect. Good list. We done? We done here? We could be. Let's wrap it up. I got things to do. We're at like 16 and a half. Come on. Let's wrap it up, kid. I mean, 17 would be... Wrap it up. We should go for 20. I swear to you, I'll wrap it up. Okay, we are going to credits next. Fantastic. Jack Nicholson out. 
Ain't It Jack is a production of the Roy H. Pomeroy Podcast Network. Jack Nicholson, the actor. The editor is Ted Amos. Here, make it.